0: Good morning. It is Monday, August 30th, 2021, and this is DC Signal to Noise. Since we last checked in, December corn back at 550. Some of the driest areas of the corn belt received some late season rains. The question, of course, is did those rains come early enough to support corn and soybean yields? Hurricane Ida made landfall yesterday as a category four. Uh, the path of destruction is phenomenal. Uh, it makes it look every bit like a Category 4 hurricane. And we are now within 24 hours of President Biden's deadline to get all military and Americans out of Afghanistan. I'm AgriTalk host Chip Flory. That is pro-farmer policy analyst Jim Weismeyer. Jim, good morning. How are you? Thumbs up
1: rather than the thumbs down for Javier Bias and the Mets that they're getting back at their fans, Chip. I don't know whether you saw that. I didn't. Oh, it's a big storm in New York a, of a different side. That where the players are getting back at the fans for booing them.
0: <laughs> I'll have to take a look at that one. All right, good stuff. You know, I mean, when when you uh, when you find out a day late that your team was in a game in, in which there were thirty runs scored. And you find out a day late, yeah, maybe I've kind of lost interest in this season. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. Let's get to what you learned last week, Jim, because there was the uh, – and I want to start with the uh, meeting out in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and the, the comments from Federal Reserve Board Chairman Jerome Powell. What What is he signaling is going to happen?
1: Well, as is usual with uh, Chairman Powell, he gave something to everyone, and I wrote taper time is on the way, perhaps, because he, he acknowledged inflation was rising faster than he thought, but yet he quickly went back and said he and others still think it's transitory. The second caveat, Chip, he mentioned the labor market. Hiring is strong, but it could be better, he said. There's your offset. And he mentioned uh, uh, COVID-19, that the Delta variant may or may not be an economic problem. Uh, So that means he wants more data, and he's going to get the initial one Friday, Chip, with the jobs report.
0: Right, right. That's obviously is going to be the next really key piece of information that we're going to get uh, as far as taking the temperature of, of just how the economy is doing.
1: Yeah. You know, um, bottom line, Chip, private analysts look for a Fed announcement in November that the process of tapering will begin in December. And once that starts, Goldman Sachs sees reductions of about $15 billion per FOMC meeting, which would take eight months to complete.
0: Okay. Eight months to complete it. So far, the equities markets have taken it. They've kind of taken it in stride, Jim. I was surprised that we didn't see more of a you know, cautionary sell-off uh, at the end of last week.
1: Yeah, well, you know, the Jackson Hole, even though it was virtual, that time frame usually in the recent past is when we've had some bombshell announcements, yeah. and I guess that they breathed a sigh of relief that there was a enough wiggle room for all sides to be uh, happy with what he said.
0: Interesting, interesting. Okay. Uh, another headline that you've got out this morning. We talked about it briefly on on Friday, and that is the WOTUS redo. What's going on there?
1: Yeah, well, you know they've had they've been having meetings. Uh, you know, we said Friday that the Republican lawmakers have asked for a sixty day extension of the comment period, and usually they give them that because uh, you know Washington loves to extend the time. Frames, yeah. but you know they they've been holding uh, virtual stakeholder meetings and th- they had a um, uh, hundred you know more than a hundred participants at each one and j- so that means only twenty to thirty had time to speak for about three minutes each I think. Yeah. But one thing was crystal clear out of those meetings so far, Chip, from the ag stakeholders and home builders and other businesses impacted by the rule, they recommended keeping the current what's called navigable waters protection rule, but EPA kind of wants to add some more regulatory language to that. So, you know, that's the issue there. And, of course, the strident environmentalists want to really go back to the old Walters
0: rule. Right, right. We're not going to do that, are no, we? No, no,
1: absolutely I- not. EPA, much like on the rfs chip they want to they want to have a win-win whatever that is uh know. so uh it it looks we're into that era right now that nobody's happy
0: right yeah that that's exactly right um i want to save afghanistan for the week ahead we we could we could spend a lot of time talking about it in in the rearview mirror but i want to save that for the for the week ahead um uh, let's go ahead and jump to the weekend. And th- th- this headline from your your update over the weekend, Jim, it just kind of blows me away. It's the real price tag on the social infrastructure. It's not three and a half trillion. It, no. It's much bigger. Yes.
1: It's uh, five a trillion or higher, Chip. You know, and that's from a pretty good uh, group. Uh, mm. uh, you know, the... Uh, uh, the um, a committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. They do good work, yeah. and they're saying the alleged $3.5 trillion uh, you know, dollar outline would really cost $5 trillion to five and a half when adjusting for the accounting gimmicks. gimmicks. Both political parties do that, but yeah. I think that is indeed the full cost, and that's why Bernie Sanders, Chip, won't probably cry too much privately with his Democratic uh, colleagues Uh, when it goes down from the three and a half trillion dollar level.
0: Right. Right. That's an excellent point. He's getting more of what he asked for all the time is what it looks like. Yes. Yeah. So. All right. and, and
1: I noted in the Afghanistan one little thing before, you know, yeah. I know we're going to talk about that later, but the Democrats are saying, you know, they're raising the odds now, Chip, of an eventual uh, two-prong uh, yeah. uh, approval of of infrastructure because of the, uh, the way the Afghanistan withdrawal, some people call it an evacuation now, not a withdrawal, right. uh, because they have to show... Uh, American voters that they can do something. So that's actually increasing the odds that we're going to get a successful vote. And I'm probably in that camp, Jeff. Okay.
0: All right. Um, okay. Hey. On Friday's free for all on agri talk Friday morning, we had what uh, has been described to me as a brave segment where we spent a lot of time talking about the Delta variant of COVID-19 and, and, um, vaccinations, whether or not they should be mandated. Uh, any thoughts on that over the weekend, Jim?
1: I've had a revision. You know, I think the mark of a uh, successful person, Jim, is yeah. the ability to change, uh, <laughs> maybe to announce maybe when you're wrong. I I hate that word, or wrong. But, you know, some of my – in my family in the Missouri-Illinois area and uh, some emails uh, that I got – made me do a lot of research on the weekend relative to not only just mandates. I still believe a mandate is viable, but with the change it's has to do with natural immunity. I have read enough chip uh, that if you've had COVID in the past, you have a more antibody by bio- your bio- bodies than mm-hmm. when you get the vaccine. Sure. So there's, several reasons uh, there. If you've had COVID, I'm not so sure that you should have even got those vaccine shots from, right. from my research. And two, you definitely, I don't think, need the boosters. Right. Uh, now, again, that's just from my research. And uh, as far as the mandates, I don't think you can simply just mandate that you've had, had you have had to show that you've, have the vaccines, because if you have the natural immunities, you're better off anyway. Now, I'm not saying go out and get COVID, okay? Right. But- if you can prove that you've had COVID and maybe show, I know there's a test, I think, for the antibodies. Sure. I, I know my nieces and nephews had it, and they're at 9 or 1.0 or whatever. You know, you know, apparently that's high. So I've adjusted chip on that one. I don't think you can have just a blanket mandate to show the vaccines because of all the
0: people who've had COVID-19 right. are, are have higher immunities to ward off. Right. Excellent. Excellent. Um, And that was something that we didn't even talk about, you know, whether or not you've had it, should you then be required to have your vaccine passport to get into a sporting event or to get into a restaurant or even to get on a plane? If you've already had it, (laughs) uh, yeah, you're, you're better protected than those of us that hadn't had it and have had the vaccine. Yeah. Now you
1: still. It, it, most people say you st- should still wear a mask under certain situations because you can still give it to others. So yeah. you know I can go both ways on that one. But again, yeah. I spent a lot of time, you know, you know, doing the research, and uh, so I've changed. And and uh, this is why my brother-in-law, who got sick, uh, long COVID, if you will, after the second shot, you know, he had had COVID. So, you know, looking back, I don't think he should have had the vaccine shot. I yeah. think he would have been better off and not had long COVID right now. Now, that's um, not going to affect everybody the same way, but this is just me Right. Uh, after reading the research, and now over the weekend, Chip, we've had uh, Biden put out that he may want to have the booster at f- five months. Now after your yep. second shot, but now there's a, a article that we put in Pro Farmer on the New York Times that questions whether or not you you even need one at eight months, and mm-hmm. that's what the current recommendation is. The FDA is the final say on this one, because they're say they're quoting some researchers who say the israeli study that it was based on was somewhat flawed and so now we we got murkiness you know regarding the boosters
0: yeah okay well i feel compelled every time we have this conversation to say of course consult with your doctor consult with your medical professional someone that you trust in the medical field uh before making any decisions around COVID. Don't be listening to me and him on this. Consult yes. with your medical. But, but Jim, I think it's important to have the conversation because it does give you some, and it does give some listeners um, some questions to ask. That that may make you feel better about getting the shot. So yes. And, and as yeah.
1: I talked to my doctor, I said, you know, this is what I did over the weekend. And so he didn't rule out me uh not getting a booster chip. So okay. but at least I talked to him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh let's go to the weekend and go over to Afghanistan and all the happenings there. First, Jim, before we get into it, just a reminder to everyone that you could be part of the conversation. There's the comments tab on the right side of the screen. Click on that. You can enter your comments, question, be part of the conversation. We 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 love it when we when we get the real-time questions in here for Jim to to answer. Um Afghanistan. We are now within 24 hours of the deadline to get out. Jim, uh, yeah. what's the status? Well, it began Saturday
1: and the the White House announced the US has the capacity to evacuate the remaining Americans. Now they said that's approximately 300 U.S. citizens remaining in Afghanistan who want to leave before Biden's Tuesday deadline, and they announced that, uh, you know, Sunday. And also over the weekend, we saw uh, alerted uh, strikes. Uh, they struck a vehicle in you 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 know Kabul that that posed an imminent uh, you know threat. Uh, So that continues, and you saw an announcement that the U.S. joined 97 other countries that pledged to evacuate Afghan allies after the deadline. So we did have a lot of weekend developments, Jeff.
0: Yeah. You know, I I find it interesting that that, uh, the people that you're having conversations with are saying that Afghanistan may actually increase the odds of an infrastructure package. Because it just feels to me that this is going to be a huge distraction uh, and will dominate lawmakers' time for 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 weeks.
1: Well, the part of some say, part of the initial problem with Biden's uh, withdrawal strategy was he was too focused on the domestic side and wanted to pellmell go to that those infrastructure packages. So, but now to drop the ball on the the votes chip would just be too much for the Democrats who who are seeing their internal polls are, are are showing what some of the public polls are showing that Biden and the Democrats are going are sinking uh, right now. So they they need a diversion, if you will, and uh, spending a lot of money is a favorite diversion from both political parties in this
0: town. As far as the rating the the approval ratings go it's very early we, we could get to this time next year in front of the 2022 elections and if people people might forget all about what is happening right now Jim
1: yeah but I've seen uh, the the network news that I've had the stomach to watch a number of the commentators have said you know it's an insult to the 13. Uh, families who lost military people to say that it's going to be forgotten uh, you know come election time. This one gripped a lot of people, chip. and I'd, I oh, yeah. think it's going have I think it's going to have some legs to it, if you will. And you know McConnell, the minority leader in the Senate you know, uh, you know Mitch McConnell, a uh, Republican from Kentucky, said the withdrawal was one of the worst, uh, foreign policy, de- American foreign policy decisions in our history. So uh, that drumbeat is going to continue.
0: Yeah. Well, you will continue to beat the drum. I'll continue to beat that drum. But uh, mainstream media, it, it, depending on how they see the how they're reading the tea leaves, they it it could be a convenient, you know, emission or. They they just might not bring it up anymore, Jim. True, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So, it's something that we're going to have to to watch going forward. That 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 is absolutely the truth. Uh, where do you think we go from here on Afghanistan? Yes, yeah. Well, see, what's going to have some shelf life, Chip, is
1: after this is not quote over. That's not the right word. You're going to ha- have congressional hearings on what went wrong. Uh, and you're probably—I'll go- be shocked if there's not resignations on the part of some people in the Biden administration. You already have some of the intelligence and other people, uh, 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 you know, talking to reporters saying, "Well, we may have gone along with the Biden strategy, but we were forced to, or something to, to you know, to that degree." So hearings are going to keep this topic front and center, Jeff, yeah. in the months yeah. ahead as well as should
0: yes yes absolutely um what are you doing this week with both the House and the Senate out? I mean, is there going to be any process progress on the infrastructure?
1: <laughs> oh, they're working behind the scenes. The yes. energy people, the the, the energy committees. Uh, this is where the, actually the hard work is done, Chip. So those people remaining in this town, a lot of them have left uh, for you know, you know, necessary you know vacations with their families. Uh, but this is where the language is being written. So my work actually increases chip because i want to get drafts of the language because yeah th- that's going to be the bread and butter of what what th- they're going to uh
0: you know vote on right right okay um uh, one of your subheads in your your weekend update recall the ag panel's have an instruction to increase spending by $135 billion over the next 10 years. What is that about?
1: Well, that's big push for conservation. And the Republicans uh, on the panel have said they want to be part of the process, but I don't see any movement to that degree. So you're going to have, uh, what, up to $50 billion more in conservation program spending. Uh, there'll probably always be other stuff for uh, nutrition, you know, spending chip and other aspects. And, you know, that's equivalent to what we spend in the farm bill on two major titles, uh, t- title one yeah. and title two. So it, it's a lot of money, Chip. And that's why this is like a mini farm bill, uh,
0: yeah.
1: th- that that additional funding. And I do hope they open uh, ideas to the Republicans, but the Republicans on the, uh, on, on the ag committees are saying they're not being consulted right now.
0: Hmm. Okay. Uh, speaking of ag spending, we need to go back to last week because there was movement on the CFAP payments.
1: Yeah, more and more, not all, but some of uh, the uh, you know, contract hog producers got it, uh, not the cattle Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, you know, contract. Iowa cattlemen are a little upset about that. I found that out over the weekend. Yeah,
1: and I'm not getting any uh feedback on my calls. There, I think people are so confused, Chip, of what's been out there, what's pending. And I'm going to try to come up with the table to say what's already been announced versus what is still pending. Now, again, to be fair to USDA. A number of these things have had to have new uh regulation language uh written. And that's why it took, I think, so long for the contract hog producers to come out. But why not livestock uh industry? So I, I still haven't got a viable uh, uh, uh response to that. And on dairy, we had uh, you know the dairy donation uh program funding, but we have millions of dollars still left to you know for the uh, you know, promised dairy aid to come out, so uh, that you know we're not done with the money spigot yet.
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure we're not. And speaking of spigots, what's this about water futures? Yeah.
1: There was a there's a stories today which I love. I called water futures are so hot they're boiling, okay, right now. And that that's that that's a big one. You go out to California and you know they they I I think they started the water you know trading,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, and that's led to the spike in the state's water prices. They nearly doubled the value of futures contracts for for water. The uh, you know, Barrons, uh, you know, weekly uh, you know magazine if you will, has a big story on it. And they said the California Water Index uh, uh, you know, climbed to about 87% year-to-date to what they call $923.54 per one acre foot and that'll make your eyes glaze over. So I have a definition on profarmer.com and on the CME water futures based on that index climbed 90% this year to $942 per one acre foot. You know, you said a year or so ago to watch water futures and that's, if you would have bought that day, Chip, you'd have a lot of money in your pocket.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, The, the whole concept really started in Australia and one of our friends was at in in at the very beginning of the development of Is it, that Kim Morrison, Morrison. Yeah, Morrison. Yeah. Kim Morrison yeah so um he's he's kept me up to speed on some of the developments there and and he even consulted with the development of of water features here so it's uh, it's something that that obviously we are are going to be paying very close attention to and we have a bull
1: market in Afghanistan for raw opium. Uh, $200 is the price of a kilogram, that small amount of raw opium in Afghanistan, up from $70 chip. Why? The Taliban ordered a stop to its production. Uh, so uh, they wanna, uh, uh, it, t- they're want to. they seeking international acceptance of their new rulers. Right. So now you've got a bull market in
0: opium. <laughs> Crazy. That's a supply side issue that's driven by unfortunate demand demand um, a huge demand yeah yeah absolutely one of the more interesting items that i saw in pro farmer last week jim was and we talked about it a little bit on friday in the free-for-all is uh china and their appetite for farm goods and how it looks like phase one or year two of phase one is going to be very successful Oh, it it should be.
1: Yeah. Look, yeah. we have a chart that the, uh, I, I think it was John Newton on the Senate Ag Committee. He's yeah. the top economist for the Republicans. We have it in profarmer.com and it is impressive, Chip it shows year to date now this is on a calendar year basis we're well ahead of year 1 on phase 1 right. now yeah we're not at those maximum levels and we didn't hit it for the first year but it got a uh, you know it, it didn't get a quick start if if you recall on that right. one so right. if you go to the actual chart i'm looking at it right now U.S. China ag exports 2020 and 2021. The 21 exports are 110 percent above the 2020's export value. It's impressive, Chip. No matter how how you look right. at it, it's impressive, and it shows China's uh, appetite continues. And we saw a lot of naysayers on this that this could yeah. probably be only a one or two year phenomenon. But as you've discussed on Agri Talk, their need for commodities uh, whether it be corn and of course soybeans we had another daily sale uh again this morning mm-hmm. it's going to continue
0: yeah oh yeah yeah you know uh I, one last thing on the export side of things uh ethanol is now an ag export not an energy export correct Yes, and that's
1: more realistic. That's really the WTO, World Trade Organization, definition of ag trade. And and uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. But when USDA put out their report late last week, it showed we were in an ag trade deficit for the prior two years, Chip, but that's the way it
0: is. I think it's a far better accounting right now. Okay, all right. Uh, we did a crash course In learning about renewable diesel last week on AgriTalk Jim, it was a we had four or five fascinating conversations. We're going to continue it this week, but boy, we learned a lot about it last week. And the as as we've talked about on signal to noise, the momentum is clearly on the side of renewable diesel.
1: No ifs, ands, or buts, and this is parlayed into the coming climate change requirements for the industry and the movement of the biofuel proponents to say uh, the uh, ethanol and biodiesel are uh, plant-based products. And so the rebranding has already begun, Chip, and I think it's uh, much needed, much needed. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and we, we talked a little bit last week about the Next Gen Fuels Act. Uh, we, we That was with Gary Niemeyer on our Farmer Forum. He's a big supporter of that piece of, uh, on that proposal. Farmer corn griller president. That's right. Yes. And he is very excited that the automakers seem to be paying attention now to that development and not only are we talking about the next gen of fuel we're also talking about the next gen of engines and motors to so it there's there, there may be some progress to to be had on this as, as well. I do want to uh,
1: alert, Chip, uh, where <laughs> I'm watching. One of the things I'm watching for in this either budget reconciliation or some other must-pass bill by the end of the year, both sides in the renewable fuel standard debate want to get – their language in that document that usually means uh, neither side will get it but i can't rule it out so that's something to watch out for whether it's a a mandatory year round e15 i think uh, that you know that thrust is going to be is being pushed by uh, ernst and and others in, in iowa and other states but also the the fuel industry wants some of their language, so I, I, you know, that's a really an alert that watch out for for potential
0: language. Okay, speaking of Ernst, we've got Senator Ernst on the show this morning, so I'm looking forward to that. Ask her uh, about that. Yeah, ask I will. Her about that, yeah. I will, and we will obviously uh, also get her perspectives on what is what's happening in Afghanistan. And with the infrastructure packages. Um, okay, you wanted to do a shout out, Jim. Oh, my goodness. My good friend, <coughs> Dr. we call him Steve Verrett,
1: a long time head of the Plains Cotton uh, Group. He recently retired. Now, I think he's staying on a little bit longer for consulting, but he's getting some testimonials, and I linked to uh, one of them in today's policy updates on profarmer.com. I cannot speak uh, more highly of uh, you know Steve Verrett. He He's Mr. Cotton. And if I ever had a cotton policy question, a crop question, he was in Lubbock, and, and he took NASA on a couple years ago, maybe it was last year, and he was right as far as their crop mm-hmm. estimate. So uh, increasingly, we're losing some pretty good veterans in, in the ag sector, but he is so good that he counseled, he mentored a number of people at Plains Cotton, who I know. And so I want to give a tip of the hat to my good
0: friend, Steve Verrett. Excellent. Good work. Good work. Uh, We are coming up on Labor Day weekend. I can't believe that here we are uh, at the end of summer, Uh, but we're coming up on Labor Day weekend. That means that, of course, next week, Signal to Noise will be coming at you on Tuesday morning. That is if we can recover quick enough from a three-day weekend, Jim.
1: Absolutely. You know, and lastly, Chip, I did want to point out that that I read a lot of papers, and the, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel had one that caught my eye real briefly. The school board in a Milwaukee suburb opted out of a USDA program allowing free meals for all students this year with one board member saying families may become quote
0: spoiled well i don't know whether i I don't know if that's a breath of fresh air or (laughs) if or if that's uh uh you better be careful yeah yeah. he could be defeated on on that alone (laughs) that's right that's right my goodness all right thank you so much for tuning in as i said We've got uh, Senator Ertz coming up here in just a little bit. And, of course, conversation with Greg Peterson, Machinery Pete as well. Keep watching for those signals out there. Have a great week.